Welcome to the pilot episode of Budget Podcast. Budget Foundation is the foremost civic tech organization leading the advocacy for fiscal transparency and accountability in Nigeria's public finance, as well as across other African countries. We play an active role in project tracking and implementation in Nigeria's 36 states and also have a series of tech products that help citizens to follow the budget and government spending, thereby holding elected officials accountable. Join us every month for conversations on grassroots engagement, governance, public finance, budget analysis, project tracking and service delivery, extractive transparency, and social innovation. So, sit back and enjoy the episode. Okay, you're welcome to the second episode of our podcast, the second part of our series um, on the petroleum industry bill. And today we looked in the last session, we looked at the minister, we looked at NNPC, and we looked at um, um, the, also the agencies, the institutions involved. Today we look at um, three issues. One is the issue of the fiscal. I mean, how will Nigeria earn money from the petroleum industry going forward? Two, we also look at the host community bill or the host communities. Um, that's been that's been contentious. In part, part of when we had the four breakdown. I mean, the, when we were still fragmenting this bill, we had one on governance, we had one on administration, we had one on the host community, and we also had one, I think, on the fiscal. But you know, um, everything is bonded up together now, so we have a single bill itself. And we start with the fiscal, and and, and, and stay with us because this might get. A bit tricky, and I'm going to start with something. Um, I remember that the NIT did a publication three years ago, if I'm right, um, where they look at the costs of inaction. I mean, and I'm, let me give you a bit of background history here. The current rule that governs um, the Nigeria's deep offshore. I mean, what I mean deep offshore, so which means you put the oil rig on at ICs and you are prospecting for oil on the ICs. So. Or you have maybe like Bonga, that's done by Shell, and I think Agbami also by Chevron. That, that, the fiscal arrangement that guides that was written in 1993. And now, when it was written in 1993, um, the rule was that um, the, the, the royalties that you pay, the royalty is what you pay for export, so for, for, um, like let me call it in what you you know what you pay to the to the owners of the land you know or to the owners of the of the space it's part of the arrangement you know for we have taxes we have royalties we have and, and different and different things like that you have the royalty that is being paid and the royalty at that time was not structured on the basis of price so the royalty then was only structured on the basis of debt. So when prices then were maybe $20 per barrel, $15 per barrel, the royalties made easy, was easy. Now, the, the rule was that Nigeria was supposed to have been ended this 15 years after, I think in 19, 2004, which have brought this whole system to an end. And now we should bring the new, which should have been the ambassador period, bring the new, a renewed fiscal regime in place for the other industry. You will not believe that even up we did not do that. I mean, we had a chance 
in the time where oil prices were 140 dollars per barrel were were 100 dollars per barrel was high and we should have made adjustments to the royalty based on the oil price not based on the depth of your of your prospecting we did not of your production we did not make adjustments and in Nate, according to Nate. We lost the whole of one. Adige, okay, what's your own position on thought on this? I'm, I'm glad to have you on board again. Thank you, Lucian. Um, that was a very, um, a very huge mistake on the government's part. But of course, bygone is bygone. We have to move forward. Because yeah. we, I, 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 I saw the Nazi um report then, and I'm like, so all this money just gone like that. But then it's gone already. There's nothing to do. So we got to move forward. And I think that's why they've tried to um and put some charges for the um under the fiscal framework. But I think again in the new bill is on the depth of their um of the areas, not on what they're actually um producing, you know. So they put um for example, they put um some percentage for the onshore areas, some for the shallow water comfort outside bases and deep offshore so they're actually looking at the water debt before them for the royalty payments not what they're actually getting from the, the volume of they're getting so I, I really don't know how that works if that is more profitable to the government than um using the amount of um the volume of crude oil the companies produce so the fiscal framework is one aspect of the bill that is very very technical so it's actually very difficult to even break it down and understand the fiscal framework of the people. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I really don't know how that works. I'm not really sure how it works. If it's supposed to be, if it's more profitable to charge on that, on the volume, on the depth of water, or probably on the volume of crude oil they actually get. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. two, two questions. So, so uh, let me let me let me circle back again about the position. So it, it was a PSC contract. It was it was. Was written that um, in, in 1993, um, and it says that um, like in 1993 was when the modeling was done, and the rule is that when oil prices exceed above twenty dollars per barrel, um, it should have been it should have which was in 2004, that trigger should have set in because that's what was written in the act that when it exceeds twenty dollars per barrel, and that was in Robertson, that trigger was not taken. And it also says 15 years from that bill, amendments should have been made. Nehiti estimates that we, Ibekachuku estimates that because of we didn't make that change, Nigeria lost between 21 to 60 billion dollars. Um, Nehiti estimates that we should have brought around 16 to 28 billion um, dollars to the coffers in his own estimation, based on what we, based on what we we did not do. Um, and it all comes back to the politics, the politics and the politics and the politics. Um, somehow we've failed not to do the right thing as when we should have done that. And Nate did this extreme model, which was really exciting about what, what they did. Um, and it's a bit sad that when oil prices were great and we should have benefited more, we don't take that advantage. The same thing even around the joint venture, the joint venture, the incorporation. Just imagine that then, when oil prices were around one twenty, one forty dollars per barrel, and I'm sure you told me let's not go back to the past, you know. But maybe the past will make us reflect and make us learn. When the prices were high at that point, and we should have been able to, okay, um, kick this provision in and get more. We did not. But now 
the market the outlook does not look interesting anymore everybody's talking about electric vehicles now people are all talking about shale oil now so if you are even trying to do too much at this point uh you'll be turning off investment i mean how do you think we have to balance between seeking investment for the country for the country and also trying to also maximize the revenue how do you keep that balance in an environment where oil is looking like the time and the era is, is gone you know yeah sure the time and era of oil is actually in nigeria because from probably 30 40 years to this time we may not have any oil again in, in the country so i think what the government is supposed to be is um going forward with what's happened mm. in the past, we should have learned, we should learn from our mistake. So going forward, probably mm. what they will do is the bill should be reviewed. You might say maybe every five, five years. Because trust me, how much um, the amount of the what um crude oil goes for today is not what it will go for in, the, in maybe two, three years to this time. It mm. might be more expensive because mm. it keeps going high. So the, the mm. view might have been reviewed, maybe not, it might not be the view, maybe just some aspects so that we not, we not be um, short-changing ourselves, you know. So because mm. what these oil companies are actually getting, to me, if they're not making money, they will have left our country a long time ago. So trust me, they actually, they know what they're doing, they're making each revenue from Nigeria. So the, the government should keep um, reviewing the bill to suit our needs, to profit us. So what we are getting today, what um, we are getting today from this um, oil companies, shouldn't be what we get next five, ten years when crude oil prices have gone higher. So mm. they need to keep um, reviewing the bill so that it will make sense that we are not shortchanging ourselves. But then again, you mentioned politics like um, the last time, you know, because some of these of the people in power have um, probably shares in these companies too, so they might not want that to happen. All right, all right. Let's just so we have royalties by depth, uh, marginal fields it ranges from five to eighteen percent. Onshores will have more crude oil royalties. I mean, considering that those ones are being done on the land and uh, maybe more needs to be found out to, and to the people. The risk level is also very very low on onshore areas. So I mean, the depth most time for drilling is low, but for offshore, um, for deep offshore, um, and also for marginal fields which are always very small, but the risk is much more higher. You might think you have a lot in there, but you get there and you find nothing. So um, because of the higher risk, um, some of them bear more or bear less. But for the ones that where you have deep up, deep offshore, um, where those ones also they bear less, but the onshore gets more, 18% for onshore for the realities. Then you also have the reality by price, um, which means that at $100 per barrel, an extra 5% will kick in. Um, you know, and at $150 per barrel, 10% will, or greater than between 50, greater than $150 per barrel. I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, 10% itself will kick in. Then we also have the natural gas realities, which is also deep offshore areas, uh, 5% onshore areas, which the risk is much more lower, 7.5%. Um, there's also what you call an hydrocarbon tax. So all product, all everyone will pay hydrocarbon tax. Uh, um, we don't know how that will work for the, the joint ventures, but yeah, we apply to onshore, we apply to shallow water, and we have to apply to deep offshore, and also crude oil and uh, concentrates or mastrated gas. Um, all of that would would apply to to hydrocarbon tax. So the hydrocarbon tax is what replaces the petroleum profit tax. I mean, which we have right now that is administered by the FIRS, um, and that's um, the, the, there's a projection in the taxation on on the petroleum taxation for the 
deep offshore that means the converted licenses that's going to be five percent so the deep offshore new licenses it will be ten percent for the shallow water it will be twenty percent for the onshore licenses it will be twenty two point five percent that's one on the floor on the ground shallow water converted license that means old licenses that are now converted that's thirty seven point five percent onshore converted licenses which is going to be on land that's forty two point five percent so it looks like the incentive is more that people should explore offshore. Let, let me let me bring something to you, Adej, okay? Um, before we leave the fiscal part, like you said, the fiscal part always tends to be a bit challenging. Um, but like I said, how do you balance, um, you know, between um, what um, what you're supposed to get from um, from the oil production? We were producing two million per barrel around the 70s, mid 70s. Um, up to even up to early 1980s, um, we had a bit of slump in 1980 in production. Um, I think more of that has to do with the nationalization of oil assets. I mean, in 80s and 80s were really a terrible time, also for the oil industry because oil prices were very very low until maybe 1990, early 1990s when um, we now have the we had the Gulf War and oil prices you know, jumped off again. Um, my my question is. Um, if we look at this whole um, oil prices up today, oil prices down today, um, why have we not moved from two million per bar- two million barrels production in the seventies? In the seventies, I'm talking about the seventies, and we are still doing two million barrels, less than two million barrels today. I mean, what exactly does that tell in the Nigerian story about how we have been unable? to attract investment into the oil industry. Is this because of this PIB or are there other issues surrounding that? Yeah. Ah, well, the question is a very dicey one, you know, because one would expect that the production should keep should be increasing on a norm, but mm. it is not. Mm. But then again, I believe we have more um, oil companies as of today mm. than in the 70s. So it's just few of them in the seventies that were producing two million barrels per day that today. So mm. is in I brought that's probably environmental factor. And mm. some of them again might say maybe um the the, the companies will tell you what they are, what the government is getting from them is too much, which I don't want to believe is too much. But they will mm. claim oh the profit they're making is not much. So it's never they might say it's not encouraging them to you know produce more crude oil. Then, and then again, I believe our crude oil is actually depreciating, it's going down, our reserves is actually going down. So you don't expect them to get what they, when discovered mm-hmm. crude oil in the country, they won't get that again today. So that mm-hmm. might be a factor too. Might be a factor. Yeah. Because like I said, we're in the mm-hmm. next 30 years of maneuver crude oil again in the country. So that is it. So that might be some of the factors why some mm-hmm. of um why the production level is getting lower by the day. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a country called Bahrain. Bahrain I ran out of crude oil, and somehow it's not like maybe we don't have reserves much more than we have currently now. We just have, we don't have people who are prospecting to reserves. And I'm going to bring you a bit here. So let's look at all major oil producers in the world. United Arab Emirates does around 3.1 million barrels per day. Um, Kuwait does around 2.9 million barrels per day. The population of United Arab Emirates, I mean, when they just says, oh, we are producing a lot of stuff, is 9.7 million people. That's possibly you're just bringing Kano. Um, and now it's not even up to the population of, of Kano states. I mean, that's like half of the population of people living in Kano states. Or even yeah. like 
yeah, I mean, or, or, or when you look at weight, weight does around 2.9 million barrels per day. Now, Kuwait's population is 4.2 million people. That's more like the entire Bielsa, you know, is producing, uh, or maybe you say Anambra, is producing oil, oil, you know, much more than Nigeria, like 2.9 million barrels per day. And that tells a story. When people look about our oil production sites, we don't look at it, we don't reference it by capital because we know by the time you benchmark that against our population, you see that our production yeah. level is actually very, very small. Yeah, it's very, very small. It is the same thing you have, um, you know, with, with even like Angola, where you have a population of, of 31 million people. That's more like uh, a sixth of our population. And they are producing 1.8 million barrels per day. Um, so it comes back to the question, we've made wrong choices over the years. And that's why you can see that. And the PID is centered to that. We did not get the legislation to be much more modern that addresses the new concerns. We were relying on the legislation in 1969 for the governance and the administration. And maybe in the 1993 PSC agreement, uh, decree that we had, these were military relics. We did not make adjustments to all of that significantly. And that was what we were was powering our 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 petroleum our petroleum industry itself. And uh, as you can see, this is really a big challenge. I, I will go, I will, I will leave the fiscal now and I will just end on a small note. So based on the analysis by uh, a petroleum economist, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Dr. Ekman, um he looked he looked about that the current take is around 84% for existing government take. Um on the highest um, but the the 2019 puts most of the has reduced the take significantly for the deep offshore um, so I think there's a bit of sense that where we want to go much more is on the deep offshore um, it looks like the 2020 PIB you know made a bit of sense you know in terms of how you know understanding that we need to significantly balance profitability and also being able to attract investment and also revenues to government the pricing, the, the relatively, um, based on the analysis we have, especially for the deep shore, offshore, um, the taking is a bit much more lesser. Um, by the, but we also understand that more would be on, um, more more of, uh, more would be on the, the um, on the side of the royalty rates when the when the price goes up itself. Another thing is also how do we even reduce the cost of our production? Our cost of production is one of the highest in the world. Sometimes between fifteen to twenty-five dollars per barrel how do we also make sure that um we are able to look into the factors that trigger you know our cost of production in, within the country itself um when you have countries like saudi arabia that produce as, well as low as five dollars um per, or less per barrel we move forward from that and and we we we, we check in that and um and we go into the oil, oil community i don't want us to waste a whole lot of time here but we 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 go into the um, oil-producing community in itself. Um, the, us, the the PIB leaves this open. It leaves this like open. Like everybody is an oil producer uh, is a is a host community. Like we are all host communities. I mean, what what's the implication of this itself? You know, because I mean, it looks like we, that was the contention in the last PIB. If a, if a pipeline passes through your environment. You somehow, somehow become a nose community. I did okay. There's a there's actually a difference. If pipeline is just passing my backyard, then I want to um lay the same but 
a community where they actually drill oil, we lay on. It's, it's not possible, it's not done. So I think um, those ones are actually called impacted communities, right? So the last PIG, mm. the last um, host community bill actually stated um, host and impacted communities. But this bill mm. is stating host communities, right? so it's bringing them together. No, there should be a difference. So what the host communities we get shouldn't be what the impacted communities we get. So, but the PIP is not, um, you know, it didn't state the difference. Just um, put the, both of them on the same page. It shouldn't be because mm. uh, there are a lot of um, virtually uh, um pipeline um pipelines are everywhere. So are you saying the whole country is our uh, host communities? <laughs> no, it's not done. <laughs> so right. that should be actually um, reflected the difference. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll come into we we'll look into the bill and talk about the the, 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 the community, and let, we can run through the process of why it looks it looks a bit complex the way this has been structured in my own head, um, and and I think that's my biggest problem with this with this part of we have the commission and the authority which we mentioned in our first part series will be the upstream and the midstream and downstream it's called the authority um, we we spoke about them and they will be responsible for managing all of this. Every company, every company will have a trust. No, the, every company will have a trust. We set up a trust for the community where all is being mined or where this, that is defined as an host community. Um, and when you have that trust, um, you are going to have appoint people who are going to have we are going to have a, tr- a fund manager who is going to manage the entire trust. And the allocation of funds, seventy-five percent shall be for disbursement of projects in the host community. Um, while 20% shall be kept as a reserve fund, so in case when the old fund, the major fund ends, that becomes a reserve fund, and not exceeding 5% of the fund shall be used for the um, for the um, for the for the, for the administration of this of the trust. Um, 2.5% of the actual operating expenditure um, will be made as contribution to those community development trust fund. Now the problem is. How many trusts are we going to have? Is it going to be do, we, do each company set up a single trust? Um, you know, or do we or they, are they going to be able to fragment their expenditure on the on the on the case by case basis? Okay, we are producing in um in a in a local in a small community and we're going to create a trust for that community, or it will not be a general trust. I think those are the kind of things that there has to be clarity. I know you may be doing the things that you see that people start beating themselves up. The problem I also have is on the board of trustees, it does not make it compulsory for the members of the community to be a member to be part of the board of trustees. You know, um, and and because what you now have is that you now set up another parallel committee called the host community advisory committee. I mean, it looks like too many layers here. Host community advisory committee, the trustees, the management of the trustees. Well, exactly. How, 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 how do you think actually should have that work in the name of in, in the case of inclusion? Yeah. For me, the question of the host community development trust is really a good one. I mean, um, you know, it's going to is is giving it will give the communities a sense of belonging. Uh, okay, they even put them into consideration apart from the general money being spent in the in the general um allocation the the state gets. Mm-hmm. on oil revenue but the bill's major flaw is the non-inclusive of arrangements proposed for the administration of this trust you cannot really get the host and impacted communities to maybe the role of a mere spectator in the management of this trust because they need to be on the board 
and that that's why i don't buy that of having an advisory um committee from the host communities no the major board for the um for the administration of the fund at least there should be one or two or let's say two or three representatives from the communities because they know they are coming from their own um, needs assessment they actually know what they lack in their community so they can bring that on board not some community making some um decision for them without getting their input so i think that's mm-hmm. just the bill's major flaw the people that manage this trust the communities need to they need to have um, representatives there on the board so that yeah. so they should be there but having an advisory committee separately doesn't make sense to me at all okay i mean another yeah. thing that the, the bill says is this that if you are in a community and there's a biggie or what you call a crisis pipeline is bust <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's, there's challenge or anything happens you you are going to be liable that money will be deducted from the money that is due to your community in a way and i did that subsection that section 257 that said we are in any year of vandalism sabotage or civil unrest cause that causes damage to petroleum and designated facility or disrupts production activities within the host community the communities are forfeit its entitlement to the extent of the cost of repairs of the damage that may have resulted from the activity with respect to the provisions of this act so that means you vandalize the cost you will arrest you do a bit of shutdown you are going to, you are going to the other cost form do you think that that is that good enough? I mean, it, it looks like that makes people much more the community, those communities, to be able to bring in on maybe young people and other people that want to cause unrest within their environment. Those are once we do this, we are losing money. So, so yeah, to me, I think um, to some extent it makes sense because since we know that is the same host community that really bust these pipelines. Mm. That's the truth, right? They might be angry, but then again, if government is saying they will be punished they will lose their money i think it will give them some sense of um responsibility and no we need to look after this pipeline trust me they will form some form of maybe vigilante within themselves that no we need to make sure nothing happens to this because so much is at stake you know but then again there should be a, a that, that there's a need for balance the security agency is responsible for this facility should also bear part of the punishment it shouldn't be the host communities alone we know that is there are some people that actually is this agencies that are these security people that give these um community members um information that oh this pipeline break this pipeline this particular pipeline they are passing um that transporting um trade so 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 we come and then they go there to vandalize it they, they don't just assume that oh let's break this pipeline and see if there will be couldn't um transporting at, mm. the, at that point in time so there's there are some people that could give them information and these are people, most likely the security agencies so this they, they should also get part of the brunt you know so but the communities getting the points to me some sense is some is a form of giving them some sense of responsibility and so I, I i think it's fine me i'm fine with it personally but it shouldn't they shouldn't bear the brunt alone that does they should there should be a balance there there's, there's a question here um there's a question here for the host community development plans so um and if i if i if i take it a step at a time you know um the communities also have a needs assessment i like that the fact that communities are supposed to do a needs assessment they're supposed to have a host community development plan that plan is what is meant to now be submitted to the management of the trust uh, we will now get approval from the trust from the trust itself but my own question is that how do you set up a trust 
um, how do you say, someone, how do you say the trust to oversee projects that will be done in the environment? And whereas there are no rules around, um, 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 the communities themselves are not even on, on board for those approval. I mean, you can bring people on the outside, you know, um, but um, for the for, on the outside, because it, but one of the small advantages is that a membership of the management committee shall have one representative of each host community. Um, and executive members of the trustee shall be Nigerians of, of, of those as for the management. But I feel that they could have made this much more simple. Whereas even if, if you are creating a trust on a separate way, um, in a way you could have made like the trust should have been for each community. Not you go and say, okay, Mobi is creating a host community trust because that's what causes crisis. You say, why are you why are you giving more money to this person and this person? Let the community define this. Let let the trust let the 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 if if let's assume that oil is produced in this area because that's what's going to cause crisis and you pass the pipeline through my area before you now get to the end. I also want to claim that I should benefit from that point as long as my community is hosting the pipeline, you know. But what you can do much more effectively is to sit everybody down and say, okay, for the entire production year, this is the trust that we have created, and this is. How we are going to we are going to bring everybody on board of the trust a representative so that we are all aware of what we are trying to do and they will now have a management that everybody submits their plans to we cannot be part of that but i think we have trustees uh, management advisory committee i mean it makes it too um how do i put it too cumbersome to manage and also it is a very is an environment with so much um how do i put with so much um um crisis in some sort of way um so in a way it gets me worried you know if 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 this is not managed in a way this will even lead to much more crisis what do you think what what, what can I mean, and we might we might we might we might we, we we you know um because it says something here it says in this document says on host community means any community situated into the area of the operation of the settler, that's the operator who is doing the work, or any other community that the settler might determine portion to, to chapter 3 of this act. I think the bit of the way it has, the way, the way, the way, the way this has been vague, you know, um, gets me worried oh. that, that this would somehow, if, if care is not taken, this will somehow um, lead to a, a form of crisis in some sort of what do you, what do you, what do you envisage based on this host community thing? Yeah. Well, because, um, like I said, host communities should be different from impacted communities. Mm. People hosting where they're actually getting this crude oil should not get the same benefit from with the same. They, they shouldn't get the same benefits with those that it's just communities. But the mm. bill is not um, putting enough definition that the bill has um, put them in the same category. It shouldn't be. So that will, mm. at the end of the day, will lead to um, some maybe fight and you know quarrel. I mean, I, I think I think that that brings us to the end. I mean, to to all where we have found out here. I mean, um, this will there will be a, there will be a, as you have said, host impacted committee should have been separate. Um, so that um, maybe it's helpful for them to be able to define who is hosting and who is impacted. Um, because this is going to be sort of the crisis as we go along the way, where we will be able to say, why should you take much? Why should you have this much? Um, you know, um, it, should, it should have been. 
it should have been less or it should have been more and things like that. Um, and I will just wrap up with the final positions of the bill itself, the PIB. Um, there's some other parts that looked into the issue of the environment. Um, um, we looked into issue of um, 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 uh, the winding down of the companies and things like that um, itself. Um, we looked for for um, for for of the uh, trustees, but I think what if, let's take a one minute. We can we cannot talk without looking at the environment. Let's take a one. What what's your own view of how the PIB has talked on gas flaring and things like that? What does that look like in the PIB before we put this to an end? Um, I think the PIB has still not um, done a very great job when it comes to gas flaring, you know, because the penalties for gas flaring are still very low compared to the impact of the same offence. And because the penalties are very low, operators will prefer to flare the gas and pay the penalties as the cost of preventive flare is marginally high, you know, because they're saying they want to process this, um, they want to bring in infrastructure, gas infrastructure, and process the gas and transport it. That is very, very more expensive than penalties for gas flaring. So I, I think the bill has not a great job in that aspect. The penalty should be very, to be way higher. Fine, I know that in the last um, one or two years, gas flaring has really reduced in Nigeria, which um, we've been very um, glad about. As at um, 2020, Q3 report, according to NPC report, gas flaring was just um, by something percent, about not up to seven percent of the entire gas production. Yeah, so we, we can talk about, so uh, the bill does not specifically even lay claim of a penalty. It says section 105 says a licensee or lessee shall play a penalty portion to the clear gas regulation. So it leaves that even to another bill to decide what does it mean for the clear gas uh, regulation. Um, you know, um, and but it says that in section 108 that there shall be a national gas flare elimination and monetization plan to the commission which shall be produced in accordance. Um, there's also a part of the bill that talks on domestic crude oil supply obligations, which means that um, at any point in time, if there's an emergency, we talked about that, there will be the, the your commission can, can, can mandate that such crude oil should be used to service um, maybe um, ob- obligations of the crude oil. So I understand that. And also talk about domestic gas distribution. Um, just because um, we know that that's an existing situation, um, you are the authority itself can oblige or can and mandate um, the oil, domestic gas obligation to happen at a specific rate that is competitive. Um, you know, because it says that chapter subsection 11, section 110, subsection 11 says that the commission shall discontinue the imposition of domestic gas delivery when it believes that the natural gas market has a few effect has attained full status. And one of the things people have said is that um, because we have compelled people to pay a specific price um, for the domestic gas market, is one of the reasons why we are not seeing enough investment in that area. Because if I, when I'm producing, there's an obligation of what I have to sell back to the government. And that pricing itself um, is not uh, sold within the domestic environment, no, not to the government, sell within Nigeria. And sometimes that pricing is not uh, is not really the best for for producers. So I mean, we we we'll put an end to the PIB. Your final thoughts are they okay? Now we we'll put on my final thought, and that will be the end of this. Yeah. So um, my final thought is on um, you know, the bill generally. I think um, it still needs some few amendments. 
So I really hope that after yes, they are done with the public hearing, both Senate and as of last week. So I believe they should um, try to get people's inputs and look into it. And there's some key areas that they really need to amend. So they should just um take this bill and pass it. They need to amend some areas. Fine. Um, is is a laudable feature that um that even considering the PIB this year, like since 2020, I was I was actually surprised when they brought the new PIB last year around September. But then again, they need to sit down and look at it critically, get experts to look at it, and so that at the end of the day, we shouldn't just pass a bill that maybe in two three years it will not make sense. It won't it won't it won't profit us again. It won't make any sense. So that's that's just my I think that's my last thing to say about the bill. Yeah. Thank you, Joke. I mean, we're wrapping up. I mean, I agree. We, we laid this on five things. We need to look at the discretion of the minister. We need to make adjustment to that. Two, we spoke about NMPC itself. I mean, we did spoke about that in the first part. This is much more efficient. This bill does not in any way find a way to put uh, to put NMPC in an efficient mode. Um, it looks like we're going to move all the staff and if we're not careful, all the assets that are existing prior to NMPC in the current NMPC will be in the new NMPC limited. We had a bit of struggle with that. We talked about the cumbersome nature of the host community bill, host community, and also how we have to differentiate between host and impacted community, so that we're able to have uh, we're able to divide the line about those who are those whose uh, who community is been um is been is been possibly damaged or, or you know bearing the environmental cost of production. There has to be definitely definition between that. Maybe those who just have the pipelines running in their backyard. That has to be because at the end of the day. If the pipeline is damaged uh, maybe five miles away or three miles away, the, the production definitely will be shut down. So there has to be a way to keep everybody happy within that space and ensuring that. that. But there has to be much more clarity around that. We also talked about the fiscal. Looks good, looks great. But we also struggle about how does this now work within the economy, within a situation, in a time where our prices are you know, really low and the outlook does not look great. And like, I will end up with Ajijoke's call it's great that we have started this. It's great that we are moving forward in the direction of this. It's great that um, maybe this is the closest chance because this bill was technically an executive bill. The last bill was more like a, a private member bill drafted by the National Assembly. But this is an executive bill. So whatever comes at the end of this is what the president should finally sign. We also know that the presidency and the National Assembly looks like there's some camaraderie. I mean, happiness going between all of them. So at the end of the day, we should get a bill, but let's get a good bill. So in the next two years, in the next three years, we're not coming back and say this arrangement has not been optimized. Now, this arrangement does not work for Nigeria. Thank you so much, everyone. I mean, Nigeria win at the end of the day. Thank you, Adeja Kerr. It's been a pleasure having you here for these two series, the PIB. And for, thank you. And keep joining us for more. We'll keep posting more stories and more, uh, more, more, more podcast sessions. Have a great and wonderful time. for tuning into our podcast if you have any questions do not hesitate to reach us via our social media platforms or you can send an email to info at your do not forget to subscribe to our channel on all podcast platforms see you next week